Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey guys, welcome back. Earn Your Leisure, episode 25. Quarter century. Quarter of a century, quarter of a century. So today's a very special episode. They all special now. Yeah, it's very, very special. Yeah, it is. Very, very. But um, I'll give some, some background. So first of all, thank you for your support. Earn Your Leisure podcast is one of the top business podcasts, not in America, in the world. Global now. In six months, it's uh, it's very humbling. It's very rare to be in the top 5% of all podcasts in the world when there's over 900,000 podcasts. So first and foremost, we cannot do that without you guys' support. So thank you. We appreciate it. Um, And also, we have a very special guest today. So... We're going to talk about the hair industry, and we're also going to talk about the festival industry. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about working with friends, a lot of different stuff. But I'll give you a quick background. So Simone Mayer is an entrepreneur, and she also is part of Curly Girl Collective. Mm-hmm. So Curly Girl Collective, they have an event called Curl Fest. So Curl Fest is a festival that is done every year in New York City. It actually expanded. We'll talk about that. And um, previously, in previous years, they've had up to 35,000 people come to the fest. So 
30, that's that's like bigger than basketball arenas. No, it's huge. It's the, nat- it's, the, it's, the it's the biggest. <laughs> it's the largest natural hair festival in the world. In the world, yeah. Um, and I would probably say one of the largest hair festivals, right? I would assume. Period. Something along yeah, that line. Yeah, I would say period. We say period. So it's like the Coachella. It's like the Coachella of natural hair. Yeah, um, and natural beauty. We like to say natural beauty because it's broader than just hair, but yeah, we can yeah, get yeah. into that. Wait, yeah. we left out the part that she's from the town of Greenberg? No, no, we am get to that part. Uh, so it's very, it's, <laughs> it's very rare to have a top podcast. It's very rare to have up to 35,000 people, 35, people come to a festival and have one of the top festivals in America and in the world. But it's extremely rare to actually go to high school and grow up with somebody. <laughs> so we all come from the same neighborhood. We all went to high school together. So congratulations. Thank you. Congrats, yeah. And um, yeah, as I said, it's extremely rare that, uh, you know, we can sit here and have this conversation. Yeah. She's doing big things before us, long before us, she was doing big things. And um, now we have a platform. So we definitely wanted to bring Hometown hero. Yeah, this, hometown is, like, this hero. is homecoming part two. We have Val on. She was homecoming right. one. Yeah, it comes sure. homecoming part for two. For sure, for sure. So, yeah, we come from a special place, man. A lot of people doing good things. So, yeah, that's dope. It's really dope. So, um, first and foremost, thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank, thank you. For thank Welcome. you for having Welcome. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're going we're gonna to jump right into it. As I said, um, the natural, if you're not familiar, um, the hair care industry is huge. It's a yeah. billion dollar industry, right? Especially black women's hair. Um, I think sitting. I read somewhere that um, the hair care industry, black women make up 85% of the dollars that are put into the hair care industry, right? Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's yep. like billions of dollars, right? So for years, it's it's been on the side of changing your hair, like perms and relaxers and things of that nature. But now um, it's been a shift in the culture and in the world, really, where now uh, people are moving away from that and, and going more towards natural hair, like what they have as far as, you know, whether it be dreadlocks, whether it be Afro, whether it be just curly. And, you know, that's one of the, the, the reasons why your festival is so successful is because, you know, it's, it's picked up momentum and it's in season right now. Um, and hopefully, you know, that lasts forever. Yes. But, um, you know, so first, first and foremost, we're going to talk about the business of hair because some people, men, a lot of times in other cultures, they may not fully understand how much money right. is spent on hair, yeah. the pressure of <laughs> hair, the psychology of hair. It's a very important thing, right? Yeah. Hair is extremely important. Troy doesn't have any hair. Right? Yeah, man. He has a beard. We, so we're, we're counting that now. Yeah. yeah. For a while, I was like, can I attend the Curl Fest? Of course. I was like, I ain't got no hair. So, yeah, so, so all right, so, so hair. Psychology of hair, for, for, for even for us, we're black, but we, we don't, we're not women. So as a young girl growing up, like, can you talk about the psychology of hair and, and how hair really plays a major part in, in women's lives? And self-esteem sure. as well, yeah. Yeah, self-esteem 100%. So um, the psychology of hair, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you a high-level um, idea. So for black women, hair is bigger than just hair, right? It represents... Um, perceptions of beauty that we have been fed since we were two years old mm-hmm. um, it represents um, you know everything that the society deems as um, innately black or African as unkempt not beautiful 
all of these things from our dark skin to our kinky hair, our nose, our texture of our hair, all of these things have been, we have been taught that these things are not beautiful. Mm. And, and, you know, you guys have seen studies with the doll project back in this, I think it's the seventies where young girls and boys, um, that were four and three years old were given a white doll and a black doll and every single time the black doll was deemed ugly or not pretty and this is because it's a taught it's been taught for generations from your grandparents um you know combing your hair and pulling it and saying your hair is tough and and is a mess and using these 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 words like unpretty and nappy and ugly these things are taught until you know, and for generations to your parents, to your own children, to yourself. And it isn't until you actually come to the realization on your own do you realize that you kind of absorb these type of ideals, um, and you may not even know. Right. So for hair, for black women especially, it represents um, a lot of pain. Sometimes it represents beauty um what we consider beautiful what men or society or the media considers beautiful with us um so it's yeah it's it's more than just hair and i say that all the time that curly girl collective even though it says curly um or the or curl fest is presumably about hair it's much it's a much larger conversation curl fest um ironically is not about hair curly girl collective is not about hair it's about a, a bigger conversation about changing the ideals and societies, you know, Western ideals of beauty. Yeah, because I mean, systemically for for years, and, and we're '80s babies, like, and we said this kind of off camera, but the image of beauty has always been a European ideal, yes. right? It was uh, straight hair, it was very slim. Um, so, like when you were growing up, it was Barbie dolls, and it okay. was Sports Illustrated magazines, yep. and and none of the women looked like you. And over the past, I'd say, ten years. We've kind of seen that shift, and I think that you, the, your your crew, your collective is doing an amazing job of doing that, of changing the narrative. Where it's like now, we see real life actors and actresses and yeah. cartoon figures yeah. um, that represent us, and it's changing, right? So like, my daughter now grows up in a world where that black doll is now beautiful because it looks like her. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know, for girls your age and girls who grew up in that era, it didn't exist. Exactly. You know, so systemically, it was put it a certain way, but you're changing that, and I think that's amazing. Thank you, yes. Slowly changing the, the conversation, um, and we still have some ways to go. Yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah. let's go on to some numbers. So as I said, um, African-American or black women uh, represent 85% of the beauty industry, um, even though we're 14% of the total population. Of the United States. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. so, and then also, they, they, they estimate the black hair industry at $2.5 billion industry. Um, and that's not even including wigs. Yeah, so and it's it's kind of undervalued because it doesn't include wigs and weaves. And you know, we live, we have mothers and we have sisters, so we know like that's a huge part of <laughs> yeah, of, of the industry. It's expensive. <laughs> yeah. uh, extensions, braids, yeah. all these things. Uh, the the amount that it, it costs to put these things in your hair, yeah. right? So from a beautician standpoint, and the amount of money that is sold in those salons, like. If it's at 2.5 billion, if you add those things up, we're talking like maybe 10 to 15 billion. Absolutely. So it's a little undervalued in the sense. Absolutely, we have a huge um, power in 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 what we spend in the beauty market. 
Yeah. And it isn't until now that we're actually using the power to change the conversation of what we want to see on the aisles, represented in the media, um, and changing the definition of what is considered beautiful. It's not until now we're seeing um, that we use our own power to make that shift. Yeah, because even I was surprised by some of the numbers. So they, they, they said that relaxes are down 26%. Right. So people are moving away from that, right? But... There's still so India imports six million pounds of hair to America. Mm -hmm. China imports one point five million pounds of hair. It's <laughs> a lot to America. It's a lot of hair. It's a lot of hair. So that's a lot of hair, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's 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 really interesting because, like I said, a lot of times other coaches they don't fully understand because it's it's different. Like they mm -hmm. their hair upkeep is is different, right? Yeah. So like, what do you think the average like? cost of maintaining hair because it's expensive either way even if you go natural you still got to maintain naturally right Absolutely. and then if you if you're not natural then you obviously have to maintain that as well so i've seen i've heard women say five hundred dollars a month six hundred dollars a month seven hundred dollars a month like yeah. what would you from your friends your personal experience what, what have you seen as far as like average um just buying natural hair products alone or hair products alone you could spend several hundred dollars a month i think that's easy it's the average product is maybe between Ten and twenty-five dollars. So right, what, for what, one product. What, yeah, what products are we talking about? Like, what are we buying? Is it like shampoos or conditioners? Like, what what are we doing? Shampoos, conditioners, made specifically for your hair type. Mm -hmm. um, curling creams, twist-out creams. I can list. Yeah. Um, what we call it, we call it product junkies in the natural hair world. That I could have a full closet full of natural hair products, and I. I get access to a lot of them, and I'm still in the beauty supply store buying products, trying to find new things that yeah. work with my our hair. And part of that is because, especially for natural hair women, um, we're relearning how to work, work with our hair after years of not being able to 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 use it or or um, understand what how to make our hair look beautiful when we walk out the door or style it. We have to change and relearn these things. So anytime a new product comes out and shows you your hair looking a different way, everybody's great, uh, runs to go get it, and mm -hmm. it's part of that relearning process as well, which which leads to us yeah. spending. You said something very important. You said that you know we're the biggest consumers of hair, right? The United States and black culture for sure, but we don't have any, we don't supply it though, which is kind of weird, right? Like you would think that because we use it so much that we would actually have independent agencies and companies coming out with products to supply. Why do you think that's not happening in our community? To supply hair or the hair products? Both. We do have some black-owned hair products, um, and we try to promote them as much as we can. Mm -hmm. We don't have as many in the mainstream as we would like because of a number of reasons. Access to capital, um, you know, to be able to produce products at the level and at the, the, the scale that you would need to to get it into the big stores. However, Target and big brands are seeing the need for that, yeah. and you see the change. You'll see right at the end cap, you'll see uh, hair products um, made by one person, uh, a black woman, like let's say Eden Body Works, mm -hmm. uh, for instance, made by a young black woman when she was 16 years old in Target, or all sorts of other things. There's the Shea Moistures of the World, also made by a black man. Mm -hmm. he, uh, Richard Lou Dennis, he's huge. 
but it started in a very humble place, right? Ind so independently. You, independently. Yeah. And you do see these things changing and a lot more brands in the big stores, the big box stores now than you did even five years ago. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, we actually researched that as well. And one of the things is that, yeah, like you said, Target, Walmart, they're all starting to incorporate natural hair products in it. And even other companies like L'Oreal and, and Revel, but like L'Oreal, they own Dark and Lovely. They own Carol's right. Daughter. They bought Carol's Daughter and Revel, I think, um, Cream of Nature, they own. So that's a little discouraging on a certain <laughs> level, right? Because right. it's like it kind of crushes they, 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 they're catering towards black women's hair from black companies but they don't they own those companies so they still are control of the marketplace even though i mean it's good that they're starting to cater towards it they offer products right but they're still in control of the money all right so we're going to switch um we're going to talk about the festival before we talk about the festivals i wanted to just ask a question as far as um entrepreneurship because all right obviously you're passionate about hair right something that you know you've done all your life as far as you have hair and you had hair and you, you know young but what made you take this idea, come together with your friends, and actually start, even if it didn't start as a business, because you kind of gave us some back and round information, but what made you actually want to come together and actually start something in related to the hair care industry? Um, I think how my, my friends became my business partners um, and started this was a little serendipitous in a way. We, I've always been kind of passionate about uh, diversity and, 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 and black people and all of these things and creating avenues for us and so it's always been kind of something that uh, what of a passion of mine and how we came together it was just like-minded individuals and when i say that i mean um reaching out to our network i didn't know there are five of us in curly girl collective two of us went to college together we went to temple the uh, three of us went to college together gia and sharice melody and tracy i did not know them but i knew a, another mutual friend and we kind of just started talking about um, it, about random musings and natural, our hair and tra transitioning into natural hair was a common topic. And just talking and reaching out to our network became more of a hobby. We started the group, a Google group that grew to about 70 people from anywhere from New York to London to, to Africa, uh, to Ghana. And we just started to talk about our hair every day, all day, and until we realized, okay, this is something bigger. Obviously, there is a demand for it. Let's come together and have one little meetup at Tracy's house. We had a meetup. It was great. It was wonderful. We, we learned that we missed this face-to-face -face experience that we couldn't get from Googling reviews on a hair product, right? Mm -hmm. So we did that, and in 20, um, 2011 was our very first event. Um, we decided to bring it to the masses. We didn't have <clears throat> uh, really any experience. Three of the members were in advertising. I come from an IT background. An another member came from risk management background. And but we, we, we all had a vision, and we felt like the, the energy in this room in this small apartment in Brooklyn that we came randomly came together, the, there are other people out there that really need to feel this, right? Mm -hmm. So we had our very first event. It was great. Maybe 300 people came, and nothing but family and friends and friends of friends. What, what was the first event? Like, what was, what, what was that? What? It was called Collective Expression, still my very favorite event. We randomly somehow were, um, got a nice high-rise duplex in Manhattan for free. Wow. Just by com 
reaching out to our network and communicating and we didn't put a deck together from pictures from the Brooklyn apartment. We didn't have anything. We had an idea. We, we had um, pictures of what we could do. We had some emails where we co called a bunch of sponsors to, and our connects, and one of them stuck. Yeah, we so got, y'all did some groundwork. We did some groundwork, yeah. yeah. We got the place for free. We didn't have any money. Um, all of the sponsors said no until one sponsor, Miss Jessie's, was the only sponsor that said yes. She came, they brought the whole entire crew, um, brought products for everybody that came. We had what we call a big chop at the event, which a, per, a young lady who had a natural uh, perm cut off all her hair at the event. Miss Jessie's did that, it was great. We had raffles. It was just a great photo ops, all sorts of things. And it was just a really great experience. And from then, that's where Curly Girl Collective kind of was born. And for the next few years, we had small events, 300, 200 people. Um, and then um, 2014, Fest was born, and it, it, there it was from there. So now we're going to go into, into Curlfest and, and, yeah. and how it actually blew up. All right, so... <laughs> We got the backstory, and I'm glad you said that because people, a lot of times, even with our podcast, they're like, oh, how did y'all just blow up overnight? But nothing happens overnight, no. right? They just see the success, and they think that it happens overnight. So they see 30,000, 20, 35,000 people coming to your events, and they're like, how did this happen? But, you know, you, you gave some of the backstory, how you grew it from an apartment in Brooklyn to right. 300 people, and you just steadily grew it. Right. So you said in 2014, that's when it. That's when everything changed, right? Yes. So how did? Because we're gonna talk about the festival. Because this is this is another topic. We talked about hair, but I think the the festival industry within itself is a right. very interesting topic to cover because um, festivals are huge right now. Like yeah. you right. Look at Coachella. You look at Essence Festival. There's a bunch of different yeah. festivals. Aussie Fest is about to happen. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a bunch of um, yeah, Governor's Ball. Yep. There's a bunch of different stuff, Lala, right? Lala, no, no. What's it called? The Joy in Miami. Uh, smoking loud. Smoking. Rolling loud. Rolling loud. Rolling loud. Rolling loud. Yeah. Um. So it's a it's a bunch of different festivals right now, and obviously it's a business. It's an industry. People yeah. are obviously making money. <laughs> They're not doing they, it for they nothing. Do it if they wasn't making money, <laughs> yeah. right? But it's it's a process to go to that, and a lot of times people get intimidated because they see something like Essence Festival, right? Shout out to Essence, but Essence is a is a huge brand, so they look at it like, well, I can't do that because. Essence already has millions of dollars in their bank yeah. and they, you know, they have well millions of influencers and people. So little old me can't do that. But you guys, just regular people and started, as you said, an apartment in Brooklyn and you've established a, a global brand and thousands, tens of thousands of people coming to your events. So can you walk us through the process of how you go from 300 to 30,000? Sure. So 2014 um, was the first year that Curlfest came we thought up the name it really just came because we couldn't fit in any more new york um spaces right they were capped at 300 there were men that wanted to come there were more people they would sell out in minutes and we had the demand we had a strong brand at the time which is also very important people would recognize our brand the curly girl collective Mm -hmm. brand prior to that were you doing it in like club Where, where were the events that held Prior to 2014, um, we v- various spaces in New York. Um, I don't have the name, but they were very. They weren't really clubs, like but lounges. Lounges, okay. right? We had one at Taj Lounge okay. um, in, nice on 21st. That was that was a great event. That's a nice one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it was great, and we had really good feedback with that, and we 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 were 
we um pride us we were proud of ourselves with our creativity and part of what we felt were made us different was our creativity and our strong brand so the curly girl collective logo in itself was created as an image of three of the members right um the hair three natural hair women and it was people would identify with the image of the brand before they would even identify the name curly girl collective or the five of us at the time it was eight of us so that was great um it's always great to have a strong brand in 2014 we wanted to let's say let's have a fun picnic um where more people can come an outdoor space and so that's how Curl, Curl Fest was born. At that time, we didn't expect more than 500 people to come. We marketed to and used our social media channels, and it wasn't a large social media following at the time. Mm -hmm. We And we didn't have a, a burst of social media how following many, How many well. followers did you have at that time? Maybe at the time, maybe 20,000 at most, right? That's, or, that's, pretty, that's, pretty, that's good. pretty good. That's a good size. Pretty good size. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like, at that time, it's like real followers. Yeah. Right. Like you could yeah. reach all 20,000. All 20,000. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, and we just reached out to our following, and and we at that time we had maybe two sponsors that said yes for for Curl Fest. It was a concept that we put time and effort into creating what we wanted to see in the space, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that was it from there. From from going from the first Curl Fest, which garnered maybe fifteen hundred people at most, we were ecstatic about that. It grew exponentially over the years. Um, till the next year, maybe four or five thousand. The next year, seventy five hundred, and then the following year was about twenty thousand. So we did a That's huge a jump, jump, right? Yeah, jump. And the last year was about thirty five. So, <laughs> and we attribute a lot of that to um, just social media, um, branding, reaching out and pitching to to appropriate press, um, and and also being and true to our vision. I think. What is very transparent and unique about Curly Girl Collective is that we are the creators and we are the customer. We know what the customer wants to see at the event because she is me and I am her. So we listen to our customers and that's part of what makes us authentic and that authenticity um, is transparent to our customers as well. So you said branding, right? Because um, that's very important, right? And even with your logo, you said people identify. We talked about it. We did a social media uh, episode a couple of weeks ago and, and I said, one of the things that I said was that people are more likely to attach themselves and follow a brand than an individual person. And I kind of used my Instagram page versus Earn Your Leisure's Instagram page, where Earn Your Leisure's grown at a faster rate than my personal mm. Instagram page. And I, I, it's just human nature. I think people are more likely. So who, who, how did you come up with the brand? How did you push the brand? How did you promote the brand? Like, what was the, 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 the backstory on that? I know you said that some of you guys had a background in marketing, right? Yep. Um, most, of, most of the Curly Girl Collective have a background in advertising of some sort. And Melody, she's the creative director, and that's what she does for a living. At the time, she was a creative director and would do commercials for various companies like Home Goods and all these things. And she was the top creative director in, in New York on the, on the East Coast. And she would make it her duty also to make sure that 
there was representation in outside of Curly Girl Collective in just the general media and any kind of project that she put her hands on. And so we were blessed to be able to have a good mix of um, talents within Curly Girl Collective already. So she, it was her vision to make sure that our brand is represented what we wanted to portray to our get our fans. Even the Curl Fest logo is just an overlay of the actual images of, of, of attendees at the event. Every year we have a new Curl Fest logo and that is from the year prior from images from the actual event. And we did that on purpose because we wanted people to look at the logo and know exactly what we are representing and see themselves in the brand mm -hmm. and push that. Um, and, 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 and a lot of it was kind of organic. Pushing the brand was kind of organic. People were, we were at the, in the right place at the right time. I say timing played, played a good um, part in, in our success as well, right. along with hard work, creativity, and branding for sure. Um, so people were yearning at the time for a need. There was a, a, a large elephant in the room that there were black women and young girls screaming for, I need representation. I need something that looks like me, um, yearning for these things, and no one really was paying attention to that. Um, there was not a space, and we created one, right? Mm -hmm. There was not, there was, there was not, and still isn't a natural beauty festival um, dedicated to women of color. It doesn't exist. We created that space. There wasn't events at that time catered for women of natural hair with natural hair um, in 2011 when we started Curly Girl Collective, and we created that space. So it was more just. Um, listening to our audience hearing the need where there's a where there's a need there's a market right so we listened to that and pushed forward and and we saw it you, you said on the, the the first event you had one sponsor say yes miss jesse correct yep up until now uh this year's how many sponsors we got uh maybe 35 or 40. 35 or 40. so at this point are the sponsorships just coming in and you guys have to figure out who matches the brand or what, how do you? What's the process of, of getting sponsors and saying yes, this matches with our vision, and I'm not sure that this matches. So um, Gia um, is the sponsorship director on our team as well, and we put time into creating packages and decks and put that together to identify what our, our worth is, and we actively reach out to brands. Still, mm -hmm. it is a little easier easier with quotes <laughs> to get brands to pay attention to us now because yeah. of our history but we still actively outreach to brands whether and new and we're moving trying to get leave um broaden the the space so our not just beauty brands moving into trying to get telecommunication brands right mm -hmm. alcohol brands um transportation all of these things all of these different industries and it's sometimes it's starting from scratch, right? Start is is having to believe in what you provide, putting a package together that makes sense, and how you can and do your research, how you can provide value to these sponsors and pitching to them. So you you mentioned a DAC, right? Because a lot of times people don't know. We actually recently found out what a DAC was. We didn't know what a DAC was, right? Yeah. So a DAC, for anybody who's not familiar, is like a one page or a two page, or it's just a it has information like how many people come to your event and. The demographics of your event, what the you age, doing. and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Where you you present it to companies, and it's kind of like um, a one page of like a resume, like pretty much for yeah. your, for your. I, I, that's that's a fair comparison. It's like a resume. Yeah. Um. So, but this is all stuff that 
a lot of times you just learn on the fly. You don't know how to do it, right? So that's this is one of the things with our show. We're going to try to educate people as much as possible because, like I said, even us, we're still learning stuff as we go, right? Yeah. So the the you put together a deck, right? Which I just kind of explained what it is, but you can Google it and kind of get um, templates on, on how to make a deck. What's the process of reaching out to a company? Because you can just e- randomly email somebody or call somebody, but like, how do you get in front of a, it's hard, especially the larger companies, right? Mm-hmm. How do you break the gatekeepers and get in front of somebody that can actually make a decision to sponsor your event? Like how, yeah. how what's the process? So there's there's no cookie cutter way to do it, right? It's a long process from from just cold calls and cold calls going into um, LinkedIn and finding people in that business that you can speak to, networking, reaching out to your network. There's no easy way to get in front of the right person to be able to say yes or to find interest in your brand. It is a process that you have to massage. It took us years to get a yes from Target. Target is one of our biggest brands. It took us years to get a number of, of sponsors. And sometimes it's just a process that you have to nurture. And that is just reaching out to your network. And a lot of it was cold calls, honestly. A lot of it was cold calls. And when you have the right press, and after the event, why social media is so powerful and be able to put impressions and things in your deck for the next year, you, people start to pay attention. Mm. So, so Brent sponsored that didn't pay attention before. Now we get a, a, a meeting. Once, Once you, you get the meeting, then right. you can seal the deal. But sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes two or three years for somebody to say yes. Um, yeah, period. Yeah, so y'all, y'all hit numbers that they couldn't ignore, right? You have 35,000 people right, in a park. Exactly. We have to pay attention and to And these that. are qualified leads, right. right? These are people that are not here to see a music brand. They're right. here because they want to talk beauty. Yeah, that this is, is your customer. That's right? so incredible. Like, there's no featured artist. Like, it's y'all on there's stage. No featured it's y'all yeah. and 35,000 people. Yeah. And y'all getting busy up on stage. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to something really quick because I, I think people kind of have a misconception about how these festivals work, um, the amount of time you have to put in, right? So you're not just thinking of in May, hey, we're going to do this festival, right? Like, I kind of, we got a, behind the scenes, we said, like, how long does this thing take? And, and you were like, a year. A year, it, a year. <laughs> so like, literally when one's over, you're preparing for the next. Absolutely, um, yeah. When one is over, maybe there's a couple of weeks, but even, even in that, um, those couple of weeks, we're still doing a lot of follow-up um, from the, the year prior, from the festival that was a week ago. So it literally takes a year. There are months that that really start to pick up, and um, I would say, I would be, yeah, I would be lying if I said anything less than a year. <laughs> it's it, that it took to really, from beginning to end, to flesh out a full festival, yeah. Another thing I wanted to ask in regards to marketing and getting sponsorships, you said you had mentioned that you reached out to the press, right? Mm-hmm. So do you have a PR firm that you work with or like what's the process? That's another thing that um, we're learning about as well. Like how do you, what's the process of reaching out to press? How do you determine which press you should reach out to? Like what's mm-hmm. that process? So we don't have a PR firm. Um, we do everything, a lot of, I say 90% of everything ourselves. And um, Cherise who was, is one of the members as well, whose um, wheelhouse is PR. Um, we would do anything from press releases paying for that right reaching out cold to to and and creating you have to create the story for them press is looking for content but you have to make yourself feel attractive to them and and do your research if if let's say blavity for the last time um 
they they covered natural hair um, and you find what they're interested in find a way to 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 transform your story in a way that's attractive to them so we had a good article with Forbes and they were attracted to us because of they want to learn more about the story and the business behind it, right? Forbes, yeah. yeah, the Forbes article, the business behind and the growth, right? But we wouldn't um, certain press we wouldn't get unless they said yes to a story that they felt was attractive and, and related to their audience. So it depends. It, um, Huffington Post came and covered the event. Uh, it is great that we're the largest and you know natural beauty festival that's a pitch that we can use you know you guys have a great podcast you know the top podcast right now so in business so that's that's something that people are interested in so yeah. it's really just um finding out what is going to be attractive to that specific press line it up create that pitch and send it to them and they will pick it up not every time you will get a lot of no's. You may get a yes. We get a we got a few yeses, and as you get more yeses, the more yeses are going to come. Um, so you actually make you you write an article and send it to them, like the article's already written, or the format of the article's already written. It's more like a pitch deck. So we'll put uh, like that, ideas. That's separate. So there's a deck separate. and a pitch deck. There's a deck and a pitch deck. Can you explain the pitch deck? Sure, but it's it's not a formal deck. It's it's an informal deck, and you have a conversation. I want to pitch this idea to you. Okay. I want to pitch this idea, and this is the this is the spin on it. This is the largest festival in in the world, run by five black women. You need to have this. Okay, I'm interested. Tell me more. Right. Then you have a conversation about. Okay, this is what we can do. They want to work with you as long as it makes sense to them, mm -hmm. but you have to get that door open. So for, for if, if there is a media avenue that tends to like breakthrough stories or stories about women or stories about, you know, um, you know, overnight successes, whatever the case may be, that is where you need to, to, to reach out cold sometimes and say I have a story for you that I would like to, for you to run and and more often than not if they're interested they will say that's yes. valuable information uh, that's dope that's dope, Thank you. That's dope. Yeah, that, that was a lot of gems right there yeah. useful information that's the thing we try to give in our podcast useful information that people can use and a lot of times people just don't know like you don't know what you don't know right, right. that's what Cole our last guest said like you don't know you don't even know the questions to actually <laughs> right. to get the answers exactly. that you don't know already exactly, right. exactly. <laughs> it's, it's so much misinformation and just not, not a lack of information right. that people um, so yeah we thank you for that so alright okay moving towards the um, the festival right so these festivals cost a lot of money to put yes. on like roughly ballpark figure like how much would a festival like at this point in your development how much would that cost um, it it's a it's can easily cost a million dollars to throw the festival. Um, yeah, between a half a million and a million dollars, it probably takes to throw a festival. So you guys had thirty five thousand last year. I'm assuming, right? This year, you probably would be expecting more, right? Is that the why we the venue has changed from a park to Randall's Island? Um, there were a number of factors of why we changed to Randall's Island. Mostly it was our surrounding safety. We kind of outgrew the space in Prospect Park, and we wanted to create a safe space where we can control the number of attendees that come in. Um, there were there are young children there. there we, I don't want women. that to go over their heads. You outgrew 35,000 people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, outgrew, <laughs> we outgrew the space that we were in in Prospect Park for sure. And so we had to find a space that would accommodate everyone safely. Okay. So, all right. So it cost 
let's say a million. So what's the process of like what's how do you raise enough money to cover that? Because obviously, I would assume you have to like pay in, in in stages or you pay all up front or you pay like no you pay in stages. Like this what's is- the cost? What's like so? What's some of the cost that's involved? In running a festival, you have security. So like- mm-hmm. You have permit fees. You have security. Um, you have the venue space. You have all of the um, requirements that are dictated by the state of New York, um, from the number of porta potties that you have to have down to the number of fire guards you have. These are big ticket items that add up, and every single thing in a space like a park, you have to pay for. Nothing comes there but grass. So you have to bring your electricity, right, down to every signage, every banner that goes up. Yeah, pretty much everything. Um, Staff, T-shirts for the staff, you know, um, meals, everything. Stages. Stages, sound, um, and there are permits. There's a long list of permits to have um, in, in Prospect Park, and as you get bigger, those permits get bigger as well. Um, this is why it takes a year. <laughs> this is why it takes a year. So, so, you're, yeah. so, so you're doing this in stages. Like you're not doing it all in one month. Obviously, like you might do. Okay, we're gonna do the lightning. We're gonna lighting. We're gonna do the porta potties. We're gonna do all that. And right. It's like a stage. Yeah. For most things like rentals, and we have a lot of tents and stuff like that. Um, we put a, a deposit down and then we pay as we go. Yeah. It's not a one time thing, and sometimes. Sometimes the checks don't come in at the same time that your bills go out, and that's a real concern, right? Mm-hmm. That's a real concern that 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 we have to prepare for when we are um, trying to figure out what to pay next, or and 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 the it goes down to the pricing that we set for our ticket prices, our sponsors, and all these things come into play um, when when we make these decisions. So you said that three of the girls. Uh, the founders have backgrounds in advertising and marketing. You're in IT. Does anybody have a background in finance? Or, like, are y'all just figuring this out as you go? <laughs> you know what? Um, no. And I am the finance person. Uh, yeah, I do the books. That's, that's, that's dope. So I've always, I, I had a, a conversation with some young girls the other day, and, and they struggled with, one thing that they struggled with was trying to figure out what they were, what they can do, their role. And... What I told them was uh, find out what exactly you're good at and lean into that, right? So I've always just been good in numbers. I've always been good with logistics, and the role came to me and, and where I felt the need in, in Curly Girl Collective. I, I didn't come into here being an accountant, but I was the best with the numbers and, and, and figuring out the logistics and the permits and all of those things were my wheelhouse. That's what I do as the, the operations title. director. I, I, yeah, yeah, director of operations. So let me ask you this. What's the, what's the revenue model? Because we're never going to apologize for making money in business. That's what we're in business for, right? We want to support all kinds of businesses, but especially black business. But people, they're looking at the festival like, okay, a million dollars, that's a lot of money that it goes out. How is it profitable? Like, what's the revenue model as far as to, to make money from a festival? Just in general, festivals in general. Um, it's not a complex revenue model, but um, we make, you know, this is the first year that we are um, have a fully ticketed event. So some of the revenue comes from ticket sales, and a large portion of the revenue comes from sponsors. So, um, it yeah, it is a very expensive event. So 
being mindful of our costs is something that we have to do on a daily basis. That's me. That's my role. I'm saying no all day. We can have a million and one beautiful things at the event, but it, everything costs money. And, it, you know, so we have to be able to put make sure that we put ourselves in a position that we're not at a loss. And that is something that is would be, you know, our, my responsibility and my role to make sure that we we are in the uh, in the black. So yeah, just really quick, like, so I'm hearing this, like, this is taking a year to do, right? And you're the operations um, director for Curly Girl Collective, but this isn't like, are you doing this full time or? Because I know you do a lot of things outside of this, right? Mm-hmm. And people always they ask like, oh, how do you have time to do this? How do you have time to do that? Like, you're running a full fledged festival, yeah, and you have another career, and yeah. I always see you doing community service. Yeah. It's like. It's very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this year it will be my full time. We're moving towards that. Um, we have one member that has made that jump. And so we're, we're moving towards that. It's five of us. So it's not as easy right. to be able to say that we can support. But we're, that's what we're scaling for. That's what we'll have another Curl Fest in Atlanta. Um, we're trying to make the event more of a weekend or a week-long experience as okay. opposed to one day so we have a couple of events surrounding curl fest this year as well yeah there's a sunday uh skate there's party. a sunday skate party yeah. yep we're exploring a couple of different other rev- revenue streams as well from um all of our merchandising uh, food and beverage and all sorts of things um that we haven't really put a lot of energy into that we're ex- that we're moving towards as well so it is it is a lot. It is not easy to have a, uh, another full-time job and try to create and run two festivals. It is a stretch. Um, if I were to say, if I were to give advice to anybody, it would be to know when you, it's, it's okay to ask for help. We have been doing this on our own for a long time. And so much that we get to a place every single year that everybody's stretched beyond you know we do a lot of people would look at curl fest and think there's a big corporation behind it and it was for a long time it was the five of us you know climbing up on ladders handing the banners ourselves running to and we still do like 90 percent of those things now but we have a production company that helps us with our grounds work because it's bigger than us um it's bigger than the five of us now so um it is a process and we're moving to that that transition to make sure that this is a sustainable thing that we're here and it's not a one day fluke this we're here to stay we have a sustainable product and 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 doing research and trying to get more revenue streams in so we can make this our full-time and only thing and and nurture it like we need yeah, to all the way. so all right so yeah so the next segment we're going to talk about scaling because that's the that's the next level evolution yeah all right, so now in the last part, we want to talk about scaling because um, you've established a, a very strong brand and you, you've done events in New York, um, but now you're taking, you're taking the, the show on the road, right? Yes. But before, 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 I had just a random question. Knock on wood, hopefully this never happens. I don't know if this has happened to you, but in business, we always prepare for the worst possible case scenario. So yeah. you spend a million dollars on a festival, but what if it rains? Oh, it's rain or shine, bro. It's rain or shine. It's rain or shine. <laughs> it's rain or shine <laughs> event, and yeah, we it's it is the nature of having an outdoor event. It's something that we we worry about and we lose sleep about. It hasn't <laughs> happened quite, yet, right? Um, one year it did happen, and we were 
somehow we're able to change the date to a later date and it actually didn't rain that day. Hmm. So that happened maybe three years ago. But there, yeah, there are a lot of horror stories that we don't want to think about. Like, uh, you know, Governor's Ball just recently had to cancel their Sunday because of lightning and evacuate everybody. Yeah. So And there's no refund for that. No. It's just you're done. That you're done. You have you can get certain some refund for certain things if you have cancellation insurance. But you sell tickets and then you got sponsors, they already paid too. Yeah. So it's not that bad, I guess. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it I mean, as far as from a money standpoint, you don't mm-hmm. lose that much money because you already, at the day of the event, you already probably made your money. Right. But if you had to cancel the event due to lightning, that's a whole other situation. If the event didn't even happen, because lightning is, a, is another thing. So it rains. Okay. It's not the greatest experience. You move on. If it's lightning and the patrons can't come and the event doesn't happen at all, that's a whole other bandwagon. So that's when you got to get like cancellation insurance? That's when you have to, you should have cancellation insurance regardless. And that's when you may be able to recoup some things. Um, you know, sponsors would probably want their money back or some co- case, but you have to, um, yeah, that's where cancellation insurance yeah, cancellation comes in. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. No, it happen. no, no, but, no, but you have to prepare for it. You should prepare for it. Like I said, we prepare for everything. So cancellation insurance okay i wasn't aware of that that's yeah. that's interesting so they have they have insurance for those kind of situations exactly y'all put, and y'all knew that like what oh y'all learned that on the way we learned that okay. we learned that we did yeah we learned that within the last few years actually a lot of these things that we learned as as the event grew um it, be, it became more um from a, a, a small little outdoor picnic to actual festival with mm-hmm. a whole another list of logistical things that we didn't have to deal with before um, that we have to deal with now. All right. Okay, so, cool. so the, the brand is scaling, yeah. right? The brand is scaling. New York yeah. City is, the, is July 27th. July 27th. And then you're taking us on the road. Taking us to, to the yeah. city of Atlanta. To the city of Atlanta in the fall of this year. Oof. We're very excited Oof. about it. Um, we made that jump. We've been talking about it for a long time, and we're doing it. We are having an event on the 28th, uh, right after Curlfest called Roller Set. Um, 28th of July. 28th of July. That will be at the LaFrac Center in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. We're excited about that, too. So, yeah, we're scaling. We're, we're, we're putting our feelers out there. We're making sure that we have a place here um, yeah. to stay. So that's what we're working So how do, you, how do you know, like, because you said even internationally, you're thinking about going international too. So, like, how do you test the market? Like, do you do small events first to see how hot you are? Or yeah. you just jump in and just say, let's, let's, see. let's do it. Like, how yeah. do you know? Obviously, you see, you see your numbers. Like, on Instagram, definitely yeah. you can see your numbers. That's why we check our numbers. We know, like... Our biggest market is New York. Our second business market, bi- right. biggest market is Atlanta. That's what you do too? Like, you know? Yeah, I would say um, proceed with some level of caution. You have to do a little bit of jumping in too. Um, this year we did an event, a small event in South Africa to test that market. And yeah, it was Afro and Beats, right? Yep, Afro and Beats. It oh. was great. It was a brunch series. Um, a few hundred people and, uh, and attendees, and it was great. Um, so we're testing that market. Hopefully, you'll see a Carl Fest in South Africa soon. Um, yeah, so. So how did you do the South Africa thing? Like, how, they knew about Instagram and stuff like that, right? Um, so you had people in South Africa already, or? We had people in South Africa. Tracy was living there for um, some time. And people did know about Curl Fest in South Africa, so that was great, and they wanted to work with us. And there was, if you don't know, there, there's a lot of um, 
conversation and unrest around natural hair in South Africa, especially. There's a lot of laws, right, going on, the schools, all of that. So it's a hot topic, and they need that. And so um, we want to make it happen for, you know, South Africa. um, Afropunk is there, and and so we see the shifts as well. Um, so we want to take advantage And you got of people that. coming from all over the world to New York for the event, right? Yes. What, what are some countries that are, are represented at the At, at the Curl Fest, we've had people from Brazil, from Ghana, from lots from London, um, all across America. Um, we have surveys that show, you know, um, where these our attendees are coming from. It surprises us every time that we see people are traveling and it also lends to the to to um, the fact that th- there's a need that exists. You know, there's nothing out there like that. Uh, people are coming just for the feeling. They're not coming to see a show. They're coming to feel what it feels like to be in a place where everyone around you looks like you and represented and, and celebrates you. And so that's what we, we like to make sure that we um, stick to and, and, and be authentic. So, all right. So Atlanta Atlanta is definitely happening. That's happening. It's right? happening. That, that's going to be huge. Where, where else, <laughs> yeah. where else are you, are you? Do you have any other ideas that you're thinking about growing um, going to yeah, we'd like to do a curl fest in the Caribbean. Uh, we'd like to do. There's a couple of low hanging fruit. We love to do a curl fest in in London, um, and a curl fest in Africa. It could be in Ghana. There was a whole um, back to Africa movement this year. This year is the year of the return in 2019, 400 years from slavery. So it's a big deal. There was something called Afrochella in Ghana this year, which was huge. So. Yeah, we we wanna we wanna be able to to make those things nah, that's, happen. That's dope. I yeah. love that you're thinking globally because I was just telling Troy the other day like we got um, a DM from somebody from Saudi Arabia. He lives in in Europe. Yeah. Shout out to Saudi Arabia and shout out to Europe. And he was saying like, we love your podcast. We love your um your content on Instagram. But can you just try to talk about more global topics because a lot of the stuff that you talk about yeah, is just American and it makes you really think like you know we're in a day and age now where people all over the world is listening and tuning in so we can't just get caught up in our neighborhood or even our country like right. you know so that's great that you, you're thinking like that because the whole world needs to needs to to experience that not just america or the east coast or the west coast like right. everybody all over the world yeah, every and, and 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 multiple cultures too right yeah. everybody has an idea of what beauty is right, right. so like just to expand on that narrative is, is important right yeah that's important. Shout out to the UK. We're going to do something in London. We coming with y'all. Yeah, we coming. We, we coming with y'all. Yeah, come with sure. us. We coming with y'all. We should do a collab. That's a fact. Where, where we a going? Fact. We going to Jamaica in the Caribbean? I think Jamaica's on top of the list. I think it's a nice... <laughs> yeah, shout out to no Jamaica. No bias, Shout but... out to Jamaica. <laughs> Simone and Troy are both Jamaican. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Jamaica. shout out to DR. Shout out to DR. Shout out to DR. We are number two on the podcast charts in DR. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. number two that business was a, podcast. A pleasant yeah. surprise. Uh, my man, uh, Lord of the Slums, Fernando. Shout out to him. He was a guest. He's from DR. He's doing his thing in uh, Jersey right now. He's a real estate mogul. So, um, yeah, shout out to DR, man. Uh, yeah, I got to brush up on my Spanish. Yeah, got a few more Dykeman trips. Yeah, that's going to happen. That'll do it. That's going to happen. All right, so <laughs> how can the people... Um, contact you how can they you know get information on the event uh yeah what's your social media handles all that stuff okay so um social media is curly girl collective on instagram c-u-r-l-y-g-i-r-l-c-o-l-l-e-c-t-i-v-e and then on twitter is i love cgc 
and Facebook is Curly Girl Collective. And follow us. We have tickets dropping again soon. Um, we look out for Atlanta tickets dropping, our roller set. We have a lot of surprises, a lot of sponsors, a lot of giveaways. Other events that we haven't even announced yet are coming down the pipeline. So, yeah, yes. If y'all haven't us. been. And when, when's the event in New York? What day is that again? July 27th on Saturday at Randall's Island. It is Randall's Island is accessible by a car or pedestrian um, walkway because a lot of people do confuse it now. Yeah, There's yeah, a lot of islands in New York or Governor's Island. So it's pole. Randall's Island, very close to Harlem, and you can walk for 125th Street right over a 15-minute walk and you reach the um, the island. And um, our roller set is at Prospect Park in a roller set, um, a roller skating rink called the Frack Center and Prospect Park. And it's and men are welcome as well, right? Men are more than welcome. We more <laughs> men are more than welcome. Um, so much that we have we have seen within the last couple of years our demographic change, yeah. and our um, men attendance has def- has definitely increased. So we have features and sponsors just for you men. We have uh, products just for men in yeah. our gift bag. So you're more than welcome. Bring your children. Bring your wives. Find a wife. Kids under six. Find are free. a wife. Right. <laughs> That's important. Kids yeah. under six are free. Kids under six are Come free. On. Yeah. I, the, I know the company line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we have giveaways. So you may win a free ticket to Curl Fest if you follow us. All of that. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Dope, you know? dope. Yeah, no, I definitely, we, we got to talk that we could definitely do some collabs for sure because yeah. I think that, you know, that, that that's dope. I like I said, we like yeah. what you do. And doing. this is our hometown. This is our hometown, homecoming, part two. That's right. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Actually, actually, Simone, this is the second time I interviewed Simone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, She's yeah, on yeah. My, I want to tell that story too. So I have a public, I had a public access channel. You still got it? No, I still do, but oh, there's no story on that. So I had a public access channel. And um, when I first started the public access channel, shout out to Mike. He didn't fully understand why I was doing public access. He was like, yo, you should just go to YouTube and we're not monetizing public access. But I'm like, I don't, I'm not a journalist. I'm, I'm not an interviewer, right? So I used that as a springboard. Like, I need to season myself and mm-hmm. get better. So one of the reasons why the podcast is doing well now is that I have experience yeah. already, right? But I still do the public access as well. Um, and that's for, for people just in, our, in my community, just that I want to highlight that's doing good things. So I say that to say... Never look down on something and never look at something like it's too small for you. Because like I said, we have one of the top podcasts in the world. I don't have to do a public access channel show, but I still do it. I still like to do it. And that two years of me doing it before we started the podcast, I think has helped me in the podcast game. And and it also shows the growth. Like I said, I had Simone on my show two years ago and now she's on the podcast two years later. So um, it's just dope. So I always tell people that you don't just start at the top of the mountain. Yeah. You have to work your way up. And no matter what, it's, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if 10 people are listening or if a million people are listening. Yeah. The most important thing is just getting content out there, valuable content that can help people. That's, so You know, that's crazy that you said that story because it's like so honest. Like people that have grown up with us would be like, yo, Rashad was the quietest guy. I'm like, really? He talks all the time. They're like, nah, he, he's always quiet. And now... I'm listening, like, they listen to you now. It's like, yo, this guy sounds You're still probably seasoned. quiet. You're not right? quiet. Like, that's all I used to hear. I'm like, nah, listen, he, don't, he doesn't stop talking. Trust me. And I, now they get to see you. That's dope that you said that story. That's yeah, well, you have to talk when it's yeah. important, too. <laughs> you got to talk when it's important, too. Yeah. You know he's going to throw something in. But shout out to, <laughs> shout out to Atlanta. We're going to break some, some, some news right now. Here you go. Okay, if you follow us, you know that we, we've, we're testing our reach. 
and we were doing networking events all over. So we did the first networking event two two months ago in LA. Yeah. And it was super dope. That was just random pop up like two days before we just announced it. Yeah. And we packed out the venue and it was dope. And then we was in Brooklyn two weeks ago and I was crazy. You can see the footage on Instagram. It was too many people in the venue. We spilled out in the street. Atlanta. I promised that Atlanta was it's next. So turn. yes. Uh, the 18th of July, July 18th, we will be in Atlanta. By the time you hear this, the information will probably already be up, but it'll be on our, on our website, earnyourleisure.com, yep. on the events tab. Make sure you RSVP because we have to have RSVP list because there's too many people. Like Brooklyn is sold out in a day. It's free, yeah. but in 24 hours, we had to stop it. We reopened it, but Atlanta, I'm pretty confident that we're going to get a very strong turnout. So make Atlanta's sure. been asking. Yeah, no, no, no. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be dope. Get there early. And the whole purpose of the event is to, A, you know, you're going to meet us, but also other professionals, other people in your city. Like New York and L.A. was crazy. Like you might live in the same city as somebody or the same block, the same town, but you never actually come across them. And then in an event like this, you never know who could be your real estate partner. You never know who could be your business partner. You Mm -hmm. never know who, you know, so... It's just great. And then we're going to bring some guests with us as well. Yeah, we're bringing some of the team. Yeah, yeah we're going to bring some of our podcast guests. Yeah. So fi- you're officially alumni now. So welcome. Oh, I am? Yeah, okay. yeah. Everybody that comes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you're going to be able to talk to talk to them. It's going to be dope, man. You know, we, 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 and like I said, Atlanta, that's our second biggest market. That's like our home, home away from home. Sure. So we got to show love to Atlanta. We got to do it right in Atlanta. And then right after the hills of Atlanta, I think Toronto, Canada is going to be next. But... We're going to release information on that later on. Right now, we focused on Atlanta. So, yes, yes. <laughs> Hit the website. Get your tickets. We will see you on the 18th. We're looking forward to it. So, Troy, any housekeeping yeah, items? Patreon.com. It's moving. Shout out to our new members, Adriana and LaJelica. Uh, we just had a conversation with uh, Dejan um, today. He's a part of our armed forces about, you know, things that he wants to do and how we can help him. So, shout out to him. And shout out to Brenda in the Bay Area, who is uh, – She's got some connections that she wants us to, to, to like. Shout out to the Bay. Yeah, capitalize we on. Com- so we coming to Oakland. We coming. We coming to. Ca- should we tell them? Not the dates yet, but we are coming to Oakland. That's oh, a fact. We, yeah, we are looking at the end of August to come back out to California. So we going to Oakland for sure. L.A. We coming back out there. Um, Patreon.com backslash Earn Your Leisure. If you want to support the podcast, there's different tiers. There's five different ones. Um, it ranges from two dollars on up. So. Feel free to join at any level and continue to support the merch. Proud to pay. That's what that's what Nip, oh, the yeah, late sure. the late great Nipsey sure. Hustle. That's what he championed. The proud, proud to pay campaign. Proud to pay. Like I always say, we're gonna give you the information for free. But like all things in, in the world, you know, the podcast it takes money to run a podcast. It yeah. takes money to go to Atlanta and, and do these different events, things of that nature, and go to Oakland and meet entrepreneurs. That's another thing too. When we go to cities, we just don't go to the city. We meet people in the city. We yeah. interview. And we local. do interviews there for sure. Yeah. So. You know, proud to pay. That's something that you know Patreon allows us to do, yeah. and we we appreciate everybody that um, is buying merch that um, you know supports on Patreon. It's, it's just yeah, and it's growing. It's growing, right? We started with two members, and now we're up to thirty six. So keep supporting. Uh, like Rashad said, you know, hit uh, earnyourleisure.com. Our merch is up there. We got a, a new campaign we're gonna be doing very soon, and we're gonna be releasing. We're, t- we're actually taping it now, but we're gonna be releasing very shortly. So thank you for your support. You know how it goes. We love y'all. Yeah, and before we leave, um, book tip of the week is The Richest Man in Babylon. That's a, that's a good book. It's yeah. a finance book, but it talks about you know a lot of common practices and uses that anybody can can u- utilize. So I highly recommend that book. And um, yeah, wait, one last thing. One last thing. We got to shout out since this is um, our beauty 
episode and we're talking about natural hair, we got to shout out the state of California. They were yes. the first state to ban discrimination uh, based on natural hair. So shout out the to Crown California, Act. the yeah. Crown Act. That's the name of the act. So the Crown Act, they've, they've banned discrimination um, against natural hair. So shout out to California. Yeah, yeah. And shout out to the town of Greenberg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I them. said, we all know each other. It's the second time we had a guest that we, we grew up with. Val, shout out to Valencia. Um, she was the first. Simone's the second. So we got to bring more people that we, we know personally on yeah. as well. We know everybody personally, but... This is, you know, high school. So, yes, once again, thank you guys for rocking with us. We will see you next week. Peace. Peace. Chris Brown dropped an album this week. Um, number one album in the country, 36 songs. I'm not, did you listen to any of them? No. Not a huge Chris Brown no, fan. But uh, he made some social media. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I like Chris Brown. I just, I'm not saying you uh, did. I'm just saying you probably didn't listen to it. And it's 36 songs. It's hard. Dude. The one with Drake. I, we, yeah, I've heard that we, one. We can, yeah, it's a good song. Can, yeah, it's a good song. Nicki Minaj one is kind of weak, right? And listen to it. But he, he had some social media uh, news. Um, he made a comment that uh, caused some, I want to say, what uproar would be the word? Controversy. Controversy? Controversy, yeah. You want to give him the quote? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to misquote him, but he said something along the lines of, um, I believe that he only uh, is interested in, in black women with good hair. It's, yeah. And, and Light-skinned women with good So he hair. did say the light-skinned part. Yeah. And people took offense um, to that. And I questioned just the thought of what good hair is. Um, so to see people offended by it was interesting because I'm like, well, what, what, what did he say that was offensive in the sense that he said good hair? But then I had to think. You know, I just thought about that's a good um, scapegoat that he can use. Like, right. y'all tripping. <laughs> I never said it was, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, who, but, who's to say what's good hair? Simply, right? But when he says, well, what if there's no such thing as good hair? Right. So just the concept of good hair is 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 flawed in itself. Right. So we we grew up in an era where we right like straight hair and black whatever that is good hair, mm-hmm. right? So like I could see why women of a certain age would be offended, and then I could see why a woman of a certain age, like a lot younger, are not because they're like we grew up in a culture where every hair is good. And like, that's what I said. Like when y'all change the narrative on it, now it's like, it's well, I think, I think that's still like, you nah, know, cause you women, understand, you understand what course. it means. You understand what it means. Yeah. yeah. It's, he, it's a tough one. He's not talking. I mean, I, I would say this in jest. He's not, I don't believe he's talking about kinky, coily hair <laughs> as good hair. Yeah. I learned there was this. So this is something too, like doing the research for this, this interview was there was like, uh, grades of hair like yeah four C. four three mm-hmm. and two and i was like i had no idea so like, he's not talking about four c hair that's the curliest right that's the kinkiest and the reason it's so difficult and this is like going even deeper into the research was mm-hmm. that because the oil um can't travel from the scalp to the end of the hair so it's, it's tougher to, to that's why it breaks right and that's why people of the um European straight hair, they tend to have to wash their hair often because yeah. the oil does travel from the scalp to the end, so it's greasier, easier. So that's why they have to wash their hair every day. And you don't hear a lot of black women wash their hair every, every day. day. They don't even want to get their hair wet a lot of times. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, and that 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 is shifting as well, especially yeah. with natural hair, to change that whole, you know, because water is actually the, the, the best moisturizer for any hair, and it's free. Yeah, they had this video, this, right. this girl was like, she washed her hair with shampoo, then washed it with conditioner, 
then let a leave-in conditioner, yeah. then oil, yeah. and then an, I'm like, that's normal. That's but, normal. And she was like, it takes eighty-three dollars a month just to buy the products, mm-hmm. and she's doing that all year. And it's like, yo, that's crazy. But men are so like that eighty-three dollars a month for the products, right? Yeah. If we think about it, right? Most guys I know get a haircut every week. Well, that's a haircut. That's different. Well, how much but it's is twenty dollars. It's the same. It's the same $20. price. So it's twenty dollars a week. $20? It's more. You should be tipping your barber. Twenty five. <laughs> well, I, I pay thirty five. Really? Wow. I pay a week. That's a yeah, lot, bro. It's a very expensive haircut. So that's a hundred for you spending more than well, the, the, the woman on natural hair. That's outrageous. <laughs> not, it, it's not outrageous. outrageous. I have special hours. Oh. No, no, he gets not. the whole barber shop to himself. Champagne. I can't. I can't afford to go Saturday morning and oh, sit yeah. around for five hours. Those days are done. Hit nonsense. Like yeah. I, I can't. Like I need to get nine o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. So we have a special relationship. Yeah. So you got to pay people for it. You got pay. You got to overpay people. Mm-hmm. Thirty five dollars. But you're spending more than the, the woman who's doing the natural hair. Right? Absolutely not. Women paying a hundred dollars to get their hair done. I'm just talking about the shan- the, condi- the, the, the upkeep of it. Oh yeah, but yeah, then yeah. you got to get your hair done. That costs. Yeah, and that's crazy. Money. Like that can range from two hundred to two thousand. Yeah. Well, I do my own hair. Yeah. Two yeah. yeah. Is that, that's not outrageous. Two thousand dollars yeah. to get your hair done. Is a lot. What are you talking sure. about? No, no, not a haircut. Like to a get wig. You, like a, a if, it's, if it's like that's still a lot. If somebody is like. Like you got Cardi B's hairstyles. I mean, that's a celebrity. But but he has to have he has clients too because he's not always going to do her. Like these people charging crazy numbers. Possibly. And weaves and all that. That's tough, man. So you don't feel so. Back to Chris Brown. Let's go back to him. You don't feel that anyone should have a right to be offended. I think women should do have a right to feel offended. I understood why they were offended because, like I said, I'm thinking from a demographic demographic of women who grew up. With thinking that their hair wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. and I think they do have a right to feel offended. Do you also feel like every person should have a right to their own preference? Yes, I had this conversation. This is a good conversation. I spoke to a young man. He's twenty-three years old, right? And I said, "What's your preference?" And he said, "Light-skinned women with long hair." Right. I said, "Why?" And he's like, "You know, I just think that I'm attracted to them." I said, right. "That's funny because your mother looks nothing like that." Mm. You don't so, have to be attracted to your mother. No, no, no. But I said, that's the first... <laughs> but no, hear me out. That's the first woman you come in contact with. You don't mm-hmm. see any woman more than her in most cases, right? But you're attracted to something that's the direct opposite of what she is. So what happened? The world happened, right? Yeah. Cause perception of what you think beauty is changed from what you grew up seeing. Well, let me play devil's advocate. Go. Because... Um, LG's like, oh... Opposites attract, man. Opposites attract. <laughs> what if you? What, okay. What if you? Um, there's different characteristics or different features that you may be attracted to, right? Like, mm-hmm. so let, let's say somebody is attracted to a more curvaceous woman, right? Right. That's more black in in, in Spanish, right? Or what That's if, anybody at this point. No, no. I'm saying my natural, <laughs> yeah. a natural. A natural. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so natural. what if? What if somebody likes more full lips? That's black women, right? They like those elements. But what if they like long, straight hair? That's not, that's more European, right? But what mm-hmm. if they like both? Like, no, so it's like, okay, I like full lips, but I like straight hair as well. Yeah. Not that I don't like black women, yeah. but that's just what I like. You, so it's like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, what if somebody. But even that, that like, so even the things you describe, the characteristics you describe, those are all features of black women. You said, wait, let me finish, let me finish. Whereas 
at a certain time, those things were looked down upon. The the full lips, look at her big butt, like she is big chested. Now this culture, that is accepted. That is what is preferred. Whereas like exactly, but but so I'm saying that's championed, right? So now, but that's saying, but then what does that do to our women? It's it's celebrating them. It's not. It's, I think it is. Nah, because now the woman who doesn't look like them, or can I use you? Sure. Doesn't look like you is being championed. Whereas, like, yo, she's had this the whole time. You feel me? No, 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 no. I think that supermodels for years. Someone said, yeah. For supermodels for years, <laughs> you have to be 100 pounds. Right. You can't have any curves. You can't have... You, that's, like, what they look, right? That's the look that has been put out. It's still being put out. Yeah. So I think to... to not, not, I mean, there, there's some change in it. No, but I'm just saying the majority, majority of models, yeah, that's yeah. what they look like, right? Yeah. So that's the ideal of beauty. So to champion somebody who has a more a natural body... Right, I think, in my opinion, that's a celebration of. Okay, this is what most a lot of women look like. Every woman, and not to knock anybody that's a hundred pounds either, but yeah. a lot of women aren't that. Yeah. So I think that that is is a step forward, right? And that's a celebration of black women, Spanish women. I think that's a celebration of accepting different body types. I think that's true. What you're saying? I think it's associated. I think we. Ha- I think you have to. I think there's nothing wrong with a preference. However, um, you really have to get um, clear on the on the reason why you have this preference. And preference is not an innate thing. Preference is something that is learned behavior. Right. So what Troy was saying is, I I agree with, and not that you're attracted to your mother, but she is the first representation of beautiful to you in your household. And a lot of women also find the first representation of what a man should be in their father. father right. And that's not an un, that's not an unnatural thing to 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 do. And as as we grow up and and we have to really come back to realizing to identifying not only why you are attracted to black features on white or non, a non-black women. Why is that? But why is it that you feel the um, kinky here is is not beautiful. Also, that question as well. Mm-hmm. You you may it may be hard to admit, but a lot of men who say my preference is long hair, um, straight long hair um, uh, on black women also feel like the India Aries of the world are not beautiful, or that are kinky hair, short hair is not beautiful, and yeah. it begs to the question as to why do you feel Jeez. that way? What is authentically black on a black woman? It's considered not beautiful. I had this conversation before as well that, um, you know, black features on 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 um, white or non-black women are, is is um, treasured for mm-hmm. some men, right? Is is uh, looked at as a trophy piece, and these are black features. So the Kim Kardashians of the world that have this curvaceous figure are black features, or you know, or dark skin, or or on on on, on non-black women, or or for whatever reason, champions on not black non-black women, and I think it it really is a, a deeper question as to why, and even within ourselves, I'm not just on men or, and difference of genders. When I say it was a hard conversation for. A, a difficult step for a black woman to go out with natural hair mm-hmm. is because she also in herself could, had to admit that yes I thought that I was ugly right. and I still think I'm ugly and I still don't get as much attention when I walk out with my small afro as mm-hmm. opposed to when I have a 16 inch weave and we have to counter these things because we're taught them Yeah. so yeah no, I think, that's true. Said, but also yeah. I, I, I think it's 
Yeah, well, that's, that's the, that's, that's the that's, image. That's programming. Yeah, it's programming. But, but then also, I think that we have to get away from that standpoint of that. Like, um, there's no one look for black people right. because you go to like even in Africa, right? Like you go to East Africa, Somalia, their hair is real curly and more straight. Mm-hmm. Where if you go to Senegal, their hair is very kinky. They're both black, like you know what I mean. But right. there's different. There's there's black people with blue eyes. Mm-hmm. My son is black. He has blonde hair, naturally blonde hair. Yeah. So, but it's more of a regressive trait why he has a blue eyes and blonde hair. It's not authentically a, a, a African or black feature. There obviously mixes and races what gives us recessive traits, and that's why we have black people with blue hair, blonde eyes. But it's not an authentically black thing, and so that's why when when I would go to let's say Ghana and there was this little young girl with blue eyes, they were cu- they were like groveling over her because right. it's just this European feature on this young black yeah. girl. And it was just the most beautiful thing in the world. When your brown eyes are just as beautiful right. as anything else. It's like colorism and in, it's, in it's, Jamaica. It's, it's, diff- right? <laughs> it's different, though, too, though. Yeah. People are always going to attract to something that's different. Yeah. So all of us have brown eyes. He has blue eyes. Naturally, mm-hmm. we gonna, it's just different. Let like, me look at him. But, I mean, it is, it, is, it is something that, obviously, racism is very real. And racism, the effects of racism... It's ongoing. It's yeah. not j- just because you pass a bill and you're allowed to vote doesn't mean that psychologically what has been done for a long period of time is still it's still going on today. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you said, even in Jamaica, a lot of time people are um, bleaching their skins. Yeah. Yeah. That's obvious. Like, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what, that, what, what's going on with that? So yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a deep topic that can go on for a long time. But I think that you know the first step is to awareness and. As I said, that's one of the good things about what you're doing is that you're putting it out there in the forefront and yeah. it is it's confidence is extremely important and more and more people are more confident and right. you see that every day yeah. and now it's becoming more normal. Like it's not even a big deal. You see somebody with afro now, it's not a big deal. It's right. just like all right, it's, it's become you know yeah, what I'm it's like, normalized. Right. Yeah. Nah, but he, what he's saying is hundred percent because like as a husband, like well, my wife is doing natural hair, right? And then, like, she'll, my daughter will see that, that that's beautiful. So, like, you won't know the effects of what you guys are doing right now. Right. But it, generationally, they'll yep. come back to look at this moment. Like, I, when you were saying India Ari, I remember when she was doing that, I am not my hair. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in that same time, Chris Barak put out good hair. Right, so we had these Or Lauren Hill when she was, you know what I'm saying? When yeah. she was out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Lauren, right, for sure. And it was, like, these things have, like, slowly happened, but, like, now it's at the forefront. And, like, Y'all are the leaders of it. Like that's crazy. Like this girl used to sit in Woodlands High School. <laughs> right. is leading the movement. You know what I I'm would hope so. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the dope. the vision is for us to be change agents in the beauty industry in the for beauty sure. space. So I would hope. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. For sure. All right, Jizzle, you can stop it now. <laughs>